Well, good morning to each of you. It is good for us to be together this morning. I'm excited about the opportunity to to share this morning and to lead you in thinking. This is the week of Thanksgiving. Um, you're probably aware of that, especially those of you that are working every day. Your probably work schedule is going to be different this week. And um, so last Sunday we talked about giving thanks when giving thanks is hard. And it's not that sometimes we don't have gratitude in our hearts. It's not that we aren't grateful, but sometimes life circumstances are so difficult that it's hard to give thanks. And we looked at that. Today, I want to direct your attention to living with a grateful heart. Living with a grateful heart. Open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 17. I want to read verses 11 through 19. I have very early memories of this passage of Scripture. Um, I can remember when I was just a little fella. I don't remember who it was, but there was a children's meeting at church. And whoever it was that told this story that evening presented at the beginning of the class a piece of candy to each of us. And then they told this story that we're going to encounter about the ten lepers and the one that returned and expressed thanks. And at the end of the children's meeting, the leader said, Now all of you that said thank you when I gave you your piece of candy, get a second piece of candy. Here I am, 67 years old, and I still remember that. Well... This is a passage of Scripture that reminds us that it is right for us to be thankful and to say thank you. But living with a grateful heart is much more than that. So I want to read this passage of Scripture. It's familiar to you. And then I want us to look at this and see what it means. To not only be individuals who can say thank you, especially on a week when there is a day set aside nationally for Thanksgiving, but also to live lives that say we're grateful. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger." And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I don't know what your experiences will be this week, especially Thursday, 
for many of us in America, our Thanksgiving celebration is modeled after the Harvest Festival in 1621, the three-day festival that the pilgrims shared with the native Indians. Years after that, President Lincoln was actually the first of several presidents to proclaim a day of thanksgiving in, with his proclamation in 1863. And following that, various presidents at various times and events declared a day of national thanksgiving. But in 1942, President Franklin Roosevelt issued the proclamation, presidential proclamation that specified annually the fourth Thursday in November as a national day of thanksgiving. I was reflecting with Gert this morning. We were sitting around the table together. I said, I wonder what it would be like if we had never had a day of thanksgiving, how difficult it would be for one to be proclaimed today. I think it would be a whole different situation. So I am grateful. I am grateful that our country has a day set aside. We all need a reminder from time to time that every good and perfect gift comes from above. You know, it's not only polite to say thank you, it's right to say thank you. And if you remember from last Sunday, and for those of you that weren't here, let me just give you the three main points. Our thanks to God needs to be authentic. God understands and knows when our praise is just copying other people. When we just sing, stand and sing or give expression because other people are, that is meaningless to God. Our praise has to be authentic. It's not at the demand of others. Nor is it in denial of the realities of our life. It's so easy when people ask, how are things going? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And we often do that at church on Sunday morning, don't we? Now, for some of us, maybe this morning the sun is shining and everything could not be better. Maybe we just got engaged like Kenton, you know. I mean, life is wonderful. But that's probably only one or two of us. The majority of us came this morning with other things on our mind. Things that are unresolved. Maybe a health issue that you're concerned about. Maybe your finances right now are not what they ought to be. Maybe your health is not what it used to be. Maybe there are some family relationships as we're going into a holiday that are not what they should be. You have things in your mind, you're not sure how they're going to work out. And yet, when I meet you this morning and say, how are you? Everyone says, fine. I'm fine. Well, our praise has to reflect the reality of our lives. And last Sunday I said there needs to be times that we recognize that tears in the presence of God are as acceptable form of worship as praise. Our thanksgiving must be controlled by our not by our place or circumstances, but by acknowledging His presence. We're not always thankful for the place that we find ourselves in life that given day. But we always can rejoice 
that his presence is with us. And lastly, from last Sunday, our praise must be based on the memory of God's mercy. His mercies endure forever. None of us in our lives have reaped the fruit of all that we have sowed. None of us have faced all the consequences that could have resulted from decisions that we have made. Long before we ever came to Christ, He was merciful to us. He spared our lives. He drew us to Himself. God has been merciful in your and my life. And that is the basis for praise. Well, this is the week of Thanksgiving celebration for 2023. As I was sharing with two customers of mine last evening at their place, just about dark, finishing up some work. This has been a challenging year for many people. The wife there shared with me that this week, this year, she was diagnosed with kidney cancer, a mass on her kidney. And, of course, they're believers, and they had prayed, and when they did surgery, they found instead of a mass, it was an abscess that they were able to remove and correct her problem. So even though it's been a trying time, God has been merciful in our lives. And as I mentioned, as families gather this week, it will be different. Around some family tables Thanksgiving Day, there will be not be faces there that have been there in the past. Situations are different. And yet, as we gather this week, it is right for us to give thanks, to be thankful when family and friends gather this Thursday and to specifically thank God for things. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where uh, some families just practice of have a couple kernels, two or three kernels on your plate. And before you eat on Thanksgiving Day, you go around together and, and take a kernel and give. So you're giving specific thanks to God for two or three Things, not just I thank God, but specific things that you're thankful for. And that is good. But I want to remind us this morning, and as we looked at this passage of Scripture, there is a difference between saying thank you or giving an expression of thankfulness and living with a grateful heart. Living with gratitude to God that is demonstrated in our daily lives. You see... Anyone with a day off on Thursday, sitting with family or friends around a table loaded with food, can give some expression of thankfulness. That doesn't impress me. Anyone can do that. But it's a different thing entirely to live our lives throughout the year showing gratitude to God. Well, this passage of Scripture gives a very clear picture, both of saying thank you to God but also living with a grateful heart. Well, let's go back and look at this story. Jesus, this is not a parable. Jesus and his disciples are on their way from Galilee and Samaria, north of Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. And on that journey between Samaria and Galilee, they encounter ten men. Ten men who are standing afar off. Ten men who are lepers. And they're standing afar off because the Mosaic law required them that if you had leprosy, 
You were not allowed to intermingle with general society. You had to keep a distance away, and you had to pronounce when people came near that you had leprosy. You had to say, unclean, unclean. You had to let people know that you had leprosy. Ten men, lepers. And as Jesus approaches, they lift their voice and they cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I don't know what they knew of Jesus, but I'm sure they didn't say that to everyone that came along that they recognized. Bill, have mercy on us. George, have mercy on us. But Jesus, they acknowledged. They must have believed in their heart from what they had heard of other people, perhaps of what they had seen, that Jesus could make a difference in their situation. And not unlike lepers, when you and I face a difficulty, how easy is it to come to God in prayer? When all of a sudden things have gone south, when all of a sudden you're in the doctor's office and he uses the word cancer, when all of a sudden you're involved in an accident or a loved one is, is in harm's way, we very quickly turn to God in prayer, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And rightfully, we should. Rightfully, we should. They came, called out to Jesus because they believed that he could make a difference. That he could heal them. That he could change their circumstances. Notice Jesus heard them, and he saw them, but he did not examine them. Jesus didn't even touch them that day. But rather, Jesus said to them, go show yourself to the priests. Now, now, if you're not, don't remember what that's all about. According to Mosaic law, if you were a leper, before you could be cleared to go back into society, you had to not go before a doctor, but you had to go before a religious person, a priest who had to examine you and verify that all the leprosy was gone, that you were in no way, had no sign of leprosy. And then they could certify that you were leprosy-free and you could once again return to your family and your general population. So that's why Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. The scripture says in verse 14, and it came to pass as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. Don't miss that. As they went, obedience preceded their healing. Have you found that to be true in your experience? When we choose to obey what we know God wants us to do, our situation can change. I'm convinced that if those ten men had said, what? I show up, if I go before the priest like this, he's going to say, what are you doing here? Look at me, I am white with leprosy. 
I don't know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm convinced if they had not gone, they would not have been healed. As they went, they were cleansed. You see, disobedience could have prevented them from being healed. Is there anything that you and I pray about that our disobedience prevents God from moving as he would like? Well, they leave, the ten. And the scripture says that as they went, they were cleansed. Each step they went, their situation got better. And I don't know how far they went but it, before they realized what was happening, but one of them, when he saw that he was healed, didn't go on to the priest. He turned around and he came back to thank Jesus. And the scripture says with a loud voice he thanked Jesus. You see in the time of need this man like the other nine lifted his voice. Jesus, Master, have mercy. But now that he has been healed he goes back to Jesus and with a loud voice he thanks him. Our praise needs to be the result of our prayer. The passion of our prayer should not supersede the passion of our praise. And yet how easy it is for us in times of crisis to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And to seek other people to intercede with us. And, and to fast and pray. And to maybe even have an anointing. And then when healing happens, when Jesus responds, we lack, we fail to praise him as we should. I say again, our praise, the passion of our praise should exceed the passion of our prayer. And yet in our human weakness so often, it's not that we're not grateful. I'm not suggesting that when God comes through in a miraculous way for us that we're not thankful, but we fail to act on it. We fail to declare our praise. Our praise, the passion of our praise should exceed the passion of our prayer. Now, Jesus noticed that. And he says, he asks a question. Wait a minute. I recognize you. you. You were one of the ten a while ago. But where are the other nine? Jesus says, where are the others? That's a good question. That's a question for us to wrestle with this morning. Where were the other nine? I mean, these were grown men. I mean, surely their parents taught them to say thank you. Surely they knew that that's a polite thing to do. 
surely they recognized that this was significant in their lives. So where were they? Why did the other nine not return? Well, I don't know for sure. We can only speculate. But I want to suggest a couple things we might want to consider. The scripture says that the one that returned was a Samaritan. Now, you know about Samaritans, don't you? The Samaritan and Jews were related. You could say they were cousins who fell out with one another, historically. And there was such a rift in relationship. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? That the Jews would not even walk through Samaria. They would walk around Samaria. They would take the long way, the other side of the street. Nor would they speak to Samaritans. Remember the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, you speak to me and you're a Jew? What's going on here? They were not related closely with the Jews, but were rather contaminated. They were disowned and despised. Let me ask you this question. Where was Jesus from? Where was Jesus from? Jesus of Galilee, right? Now, by inference, Jesus says this one is a Samaritan. So, by inference, the other nine were Galileans. They were of Jesus' kind. They they may have known him. They grew up in the same region. He probably had the same accent. He may have looked a lot like them. They, They may have been related or certainly known people who know. They were from Galilee. That's where Jesus was from. And perhaps their affinity to Jesus led them to a sense of entitlement. Well, if Jesus is healing people, he certainly ought to heal other Galileans. I mean, we're, we're from Galilee. He's one of us. We, of course he should heal us. Whenever there's a sense of entitlement, there's a diminished gratitude. When you and I think something is owed to us, when we think we have a right to something, we tend to have less gratitude. So perhaps their affinity to Jesus provides some measure of entitlement. Well, another thing that I think could have been a factor, it says as they went, they were healed. As they walked, they were healed. It's very easy for us sometimes to think that the success that we have in life is a benefit of our action. It's a result of my hard work. It was a result of my sacrifice. It's a result of my investment. It's a result of my educational pursuits. It's a result of my connectivity with other people. I worked hard, therefore I deserve this. I accomplished this. And when we look at our lives that way, there's a diminished sense of gratitude. You know, I have a real problem with arrogant Christians. 
You know, if all your bills are paid today, and if you're riding a nice car and living in a nice house, God bless you. But don't think that that's a result of just your efforts. These nine apparently failed to recognize that it was God's grace that brought healing to them. And it's very easy for us today to fall in that same trap. We fail to re- We look at other people who are struggling, who are having difficulties, and we say, well, that's not me because I do this or I don't do that. Listen, were it not for the grace of God, there go we. We must never look down on other people in that regard, but always acknowledge God's grace. Well, those were the nine. I don't know exactly why. You know, there, there, there are some that think, well, they were on their way to the temple. So they were going to give God praise in the temple. You notice it's always easy to give God praise in the sanctuary. It's always easy to wait and give God's praise when other people are giving God praise. Oh, but the one, the one, the Samaritan, He did not have a sense of entitlement. He did not believe it's because of him. In fact, he realized Jesus didn't even have to speak to him that day. Jesus didn't even have to acknowledge him that day. He did not deserve healing. He hadn't earned it. He didn't deserve it. His healing that day was only a result of God's grace in his life. And when he realized that, he didn't worry about the other nine. I don't know what's going on with you all, but I'm going back. When I realize I don't deserve it, I'm not entitled to it. There's nothing I did to earn it. He returned to thank and praise God. Now, wait a minute. You can say, wait a minute, Dave. You, I thought you said begin this message that, that giving thanks is not sufficient. That we have to live a life of gratitude. And that's true. Let, let me clarify. You say, it's Thursday. You can say you are thankful. You can say thank you to God and not be thankful. But you can't be thankful to God and not say thank you. You can say words of appreciation and not really feel appreciation in your heart. But if you genuinely feel appreciation in your heart, you will express praise. And thanksgiving. When you are truly thankful, words of thanksgiving and praise will come forth from you. But not only words, but actions of your life will reflect your thankfulness. So, let's look at this Samaritan. And we clearly say he went back to say thank you. But, but let's look at the actions of his life that showed gratitude. You see... 
first of all, the Samaritan responded with praise and expression of thanks when he saw that his request to Jesus was granted. As I said before, our praise should result from our prayer. When we pray, when we as that Samaritan say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on this situation. And when he responds and meets that need, we need to give praise. We need to give praise. As I mentioned, I don't know if the others were waiting until they got to the temple, but the Samaritan didn't wait until he got to the temple. The Samaritan didn't praise when it was politically correct. He didn't wait till that was the majority thing, till everybody else was. Well, I'm going to join in too. God met his need personally, and he personally praised. He personally responded with praise. You're familiar with the 150th Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Do you know what that means? That means we need to praise God wherever we see his power manifested. When God meets your need, Maddie, at school, you praise him at school. When God meets your need in the doctor's office, Gert, you praise him in the doctor's office. Tremaine, when God meets your need in the courtroom, you praise him in the courtroom. We don't wait till we're in the sanctuary. We don't wait till we have to have a praise leader say, stand up. Wherever God shows his power in our lives, that's where we praise him. That's where we praise him. So the Samaritan doesn't know where the other nine are. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what priest they're going to. But God met my need and I will praise him. Well, the last thing, the second thing I want us to notice is the Samaritan returned to Jesus after he met his need. He came back to Jesus and he didn't need anything. When do you come to Jesus when you don't need anything? It's easy to come to Jesus when we need something, right? But when have you come to Jesus when you don't need anything? You see, people, followers of Christ, who have a truly heart of gratitude, read their Bibles when everything's going good. They spend time in prayer with God when everything is great. It's easy to go to church when your life's falling apart. You feel like you've got to reach out somewhere. But when everything is wonderful, you're in church. He comes to Jesus, bows down his feet, and prays him. And he doesn't need anything. He's not asking Jesus for anything. You notice that? That's a life of gratitude for what's happened in the past. We don't wait until we need something. We praise him for what he has done. Well, Notice Jesus responds to him when he returns. Verse 19, Jesus says, Arise, go your way. Your faith 
has made you whole. Made him whole is not just his cleansing from leprosy, but his faith has grown through this experience. He now can leave Jesus that day knowing that tomorrow, whatever challenge I might face in life, Jesus can meet it. If he can meet today, he can meet tomorrow. And for all of us, the same. When you reflect on the mercy of God in your life this past year, the times when there was no way and he made a way, the times when he provided when you didn't have within you, the times when it looked like the door was shut and he opened it or opened another door or window, if he did it then, he can do it next year as well. And he will do it next year as well. And that's how our faith grows. But notice, his faith grew out of him manifesting a life of gratitude. He wasn't lucky that day. It wasn't coincidence that day that he was with these other nine. He recognizes that he cried out to God and God answered his prayer. And he doesn't just say thank you. But he returns to God when he doesn't need anything. God longs for us to come to him in our times of need, but he longs for us to come to him when we don't need anything. So this week, as you gather with family and friends Thursday, let's not be satisfied with mere expressions of thanksgiving as we're around that dinner table. Let's realize that true gratitude is not merely reflected in expressions of thanksgiving, but in acknowledging our utter dependence on God for all that we accomplish. The successes of this year were not just because of you worked hard. There were God's blessing in your life. Let's be eager to respond with praise wherever he meets our need. Let's not wait till we get to the sanctuary. Wherever we see his power manifested. And let's keep on returning to God. Even when things are well. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord the humble shall hear thereof 